We're talking with Betty Hill, famous and first abductee. September 19, 1961, Betty, while driving with her husband Barney, was heading south from Canada when very early in the morning he saw a strange light behind the car. It was September 19th. But what time was that, Betty, that this light behind the car appeared? Well, we would crossed over the border into New Hampshire, and I think we started to see this light following. Actually, in the very beginning, I noticed a bright light in the sky, and I thought I was discovering a new planet until it started to move. And this was about, oh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So we stopped the car and got out just see what this, we thought it was a plane. So we stopped the car to get out to look at it. And that's when uh, it changed direction and started coming in towards us. Now that was in about the Lancaster area. So and then it followed us for about 30 miles. Paced our car. And all the while you and Barney were discussing it. What is this? What yeah. is that? Yes, yeah, see, Barney did it in World War II. He knew planes. And he's trying to identify this. And it's flying in a very erratic manner, which was very puzzling to us. But this is 61. We'd heard UFO. Well, actually, in those days, they called them flying saucers. We had no idea what a flying saucer looked like. But we, were, we had no fear, just curiosity. We were trying to identify this craft. You go on in the road. You decide to pull over. Barney gets out of the car. Has a Actually, that was in the Indian Head area. Okay. Did, am I preceding something here when you encountered alien entities, or was this after? Uh, no, this is the next step. Okay. In the Indian Head area, um, I'm trying to attract the attention of this craft. I'm telling it, come on in. Hi. I got the window down. I'm yelling to it. Hi, hi. Who are you? Yeah, I fell off the And at that point, it left the top of the mountain, came out over the highway, and stopped in midair directly in front of us, maybe about 50 feet in the sky. So, Barney got out with the binoculars in an attempt to identify the craft. And when he looked up, he saw a circular window with a bright light behind it, and he saw these men standing behind the window looking down at him. And at that point, the craft began to descend. And he became frightened. Ran back to the car saying he thought they were trying to capture him. So we got in the car and we went speeding down the highway to avoid capture. And as we're driving along, there's beeping sounds. That sounds like something was hitting the trunk of the car and the car vibrated. And then we drove along for about another 30 miles when Barney turned off onto a side road and here were the group of men he'd seen on the craft standing in the middle of this road, blocking our way. And naturally he had to stop the car. And they came up in two groups, took us out of the car, passed in the woods to where the craft was on the ground. At that point, Strange thoughts started going through your head, thoughts that weren't your own. Um, did you have some sort of uh, telepathic communication with these entities? or All were... our communication was verbal. Verbal? Right. Oh, interesting. Yep. They spoke English in a limited way. Huh. Like 
uh, you know, a foreigner coming here and not too well acquainted with our language. But in the same time, using common colloquialisms of the day, like uh, you'll be back in no time or something yeah. of that ilk. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, well, in the fir very first part, they put us, they had us under some kind of control. And I brought myself out of this, but Barney was only able to bring himself out, partly mm -hmm. out of it. So that I was just as conscious as I am right now. They walk you into the craft up a ramp, the yeah. landed craft. This is right off Route 3. Well, actually, you didn't know where you were at that point. And, um, and, yeah. But right, the last... Right off Route 3. So it, they walk you up this ramp. You're brought in, and what, what did they say they were going to do with you? Well, when we got up to the door, I was not going to go in. So I socked them. You punched the entity? Yeah. Um, in fact, I put up such a battle that my dress is badly torn. And he said, you know, come on. All we want to do is some simple tests. And as soon as the tests are over, you, we'll take you back to your car and you'll be on your way. Let's just go back to those type of entities. Um, they were your classic alien, gray-shaped, no. cat-like... No, 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 they weren't. Okay. They, they were a form of human being. They were, they were a form of human being. Right. Did they have cat-like or Cheshire-like eyes? They or? had larger eyes than ours. Smaller nose and smaller mouth. No protruding part of the ear and no hair. So and not people. Nothing like these classic grays you see your Whitley Strievers. I don't okay. know. I've never seen those. I don't know what they're talking about. Sure, to sure. Okay. Um, there was a leader of... Well, for, we, we gave them different names to identify. Now, I don't know if he was a leader or the interpreter, but we called him the leader. And then there was the one who did the testing. We called him the examiner. There were nine others who stayed out in the corridor, and we called them the crew members. Okay. So you're on board. What Do you remember what you saw when you entered the craft? Did something must have taken taken uh, you aback, saying, this is amazing, or what type of craft am I inside? Can you, can you describe yeah. as to what you collectively remember? Yeah. Went in to a corridor, and then I was taken into a room, and I had to step up because the floor, level of the floor, was above the corridor, and it was an oval-shaped door like we would see on a ship. Do you remember at that point, did, did they specify what their agenda at that point was? Were you going Im immediately in for the examination or...? What, what? They had taken us strictly to, to... Actually, they wanted to find out how we were like them or different from them, physically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you feel that you were chosen for this or you happened to be in the, the wrong area at the wrong time or the right area at the right time? <laughs> well, now I figure it was the right time mm -hmm. in the right area. But I think we... Uh, I brought it on myself. You know, I'm waving to him and yelling to him. Hey, who are you? And, oh. You get into the examination room. You're separated from Barney. Right. He's taken into the second room. Your examination, and again, all this comes out in later dreams and hypnosis, but uh, immediately do they remove your clothes and perform... What happens? Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to... I'm, I'm tainted by all the popular lore of abduction stories... <laughs> What, what saying, do they I do? don't know anything about those That's stories. That's good. Well, you're better off. <laughs> but uh, I, I was taken into this first room, mm -hmm. and uh, it was quite bare. There was a small table. There was a stool. And then the wall 
the door, there were doors in the wall that would slide back and forth. And they put me on a stool, checked my eyes, ears, nose, throat, my feet, my hands. And then he put me on a table and said they were going to check my nervous system. And they used some kind of equipment to do this. And then he tried to insert a needle-like instrument in my navel, which caused pain. So they stopped doing it. And then uh, the examiner left and went into the room where Barney was. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what was happening to Barney, what Barney recalled under hypnosis? Um, what was going on at the same time in his examination room? Uh, with Barney, most of the exam was the same as mine, except uh, they were interested in his bone structure. I mean, they were feeling all up and down his spine, his arms and all, basically. Did, did Barney recall any struggle uh, akin to the struggle that you had, where you had yeah. a torn, torn no, because They had him under this control. Okay. And he was uh, but very upsetting to him because he couldn't move. Mm -hmm. So he, they, had, they had implemented paralysis, uh, um, some sort of temporary paralysis on Barney to subdue him, whereas... To you, they gave you a little more leeway as far as you weren't. Well, I'm sorry, you know, I was smaller than Barney, mm -hmm. so I didn't get a big dose of hair. So they saw him as more of a fear, perhaps, yeah, than you. He was bigger than them. Okay. Taller. Your examination concludes. Then what happens? Well, while the examiner is in doing Barney's exam, I started talking with the leader. And I said, I know you're not from this planet. Where are you from? And he showed me a star map. And he explained part of the, the map to me briefly. Um, and then we just talked about food and different aspects of life here. Yep. And what? Give well, me some, some. Actually, what led to the food was the examiner came running back into the room where I was and started tugging at my teeth. And. He wanted to know why Barney's teeth were removable and mine were not. And the story is Barney had dentures. Yeah, during World War II, Barney got too close to a hand grenade and knocked his teeth out. And they that they were totally confused by that all of this. That was very puzzling to him. Yeah. And humorous. Yeah. Any other instances that, that, that something that, as a human, you took so general as a characteristic that you never thought of it uh, that they got confused by, almost childlike, you know, akin to the denture incident. Yeah. Was, was there anything else like that that they seemed that, boy, you don't know that, that, that you can recall? Well, they were sort of disappointed. I didn't know anything about the solar system. <laughs> okay. That, I think they really expected me to be able to identify the map. They were actually, actually upset that you didn't recognize their right. home. Let's go to that. Marjorie Fish, uh, months later, or years later, actually. Years later. Under hypnosis tries to induce you under hypnosis to redraw that no, story? No, 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 okay, no, no. maybe you can go over that. No. Uh, Dr. Simon at the time. Benjamin said, Simon. Dr. Benjamin Simon said that during the week, if I wanted to, I would be able to remember the star map and I would sketch it. But I was not to think about it. I was just to let my hands go ahead and draw it, which I did. And that was in 1965. Four and, years after the incident. Now, in 1969, Marjorie Fish came here and stayed a few days and asked me all kinds of questions, hours and hours, which she taped, and then used that to go back home 
and took did your the map, research, did the research on it, and identified the areas. The area of the star map, which she said was in the constellation that we know, Reticulus, in the star system was Zeta Reticuli. Zeta Reticuli, yeah. Um, the, and from that point, do you remember the mentioning Zeta Reticuli, or is that a terminology that we as Earthlings That's have given name. them? So I would have no idea what their name okay. is for their home planet. And do you remember what type of star system? Was it a white star? Was it a yellow star? A red giant? Do you recall what type of star or anything? It's, uh, I don't know, but I do know that our astronomers believe that the stars on my map were the ones most likely to have have planets and have life, as we know it. And so they're, they're and they may be younger stars, hotter stars. Actually, uh, we're, we're believed to be 4.6 billion years old. Or 20 billion. It seems that we but age they, a billion years every five years. So, But actually, Zeta Reticuli, we believe, you know, this is a belief. We mm -hmm. don't know for sure. But we believe it's about 11 billion years old. So yeah. they're a lot, they've been around a lot longer than we have. Twice as, over twice as long and in the, um, the chance to, to evolutionize, to, yeah. to, to project. So the, it, this puzzling incident, uh, you're examined, you get a tour of the spaceship. No. Or the craft? Did, you, no. did they show you anything? It's just only on a need-to-know basis. Just the one room I was in. The interaction with you and the question-and-answer session was more than Barney. They did not give Barney the opportunity to inquire. No. no there was no conversation with Barney. You, I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. Mm -hmm. He joked. We kidded. Really? Yeah. And I invited him to come back. I could say, please, please, please come back. Oh, I had so many friends who would love to meet you. So this was not a traumatic experience at all. It's no. just, uh, it was uh, an enlightening experience, Always. spiritually uplifting, right. perhaps. Right. It was, nobody can tell me there's not life on other planets. <laughs> at the same time, it seems that 36 hours after the sighting um, is on record, according to Jacques Ballet, at 2.14 a.m., Peace Air Force was tracking an unknown oh. object. Oh, yeah, I told him that. Uh, Peace Air Force Base released the radar report where they tracked this craft. It's like two planes out to check it out, and the reports of the pilots are still classified. So we know they just saw it. To the skeptic, that kind of knocks them out of the water, then, uh, if, if for you to guess if, you, if this were a con concocted story, Boy, you know your stuff. Or you, it's a pretty well orchestrated event to have Pease personnel involved, and to, to that, that that Betty and Barney, uh, you know, are, uh, Betty uh, Barney was a postal worker. Yeah, postal worker. Um, you're involved in real estate, and that uh, you pulled off a grand hoax with through the Air Force. This is, it's it's nearly impossible, if not impossible, absurd. I guess is the term I'm looking for. You're released from the craft. You get back into the car. You check your watches. Why? Uh. Well, I don't think we checked our watches until we're almost home to see what time it was, and both our watches had stopped functioning. And you could not account for some time elapsed? No, the trip, we realized the trip had taken much longer than what it should have. Maybe about two hours. Were you feeling woozy? Did you have a headache? Did you have any physical? Were you just exhausted? What can you describe what your feeling was? We've been was? driving all night. We got home about five in the morning. We're calm, relaxed. Oh, so so you weren't feeling very well. You didn't feel traumatized or injured okay. at any no. time, or, or or should I say, violated at that time. Okay. You go in the house, and I guess is it the next morning you check out the car and, and find the 
And what happens when you look at the car? Highly polished spots are the trunk of the car. Highly. And that day, it was we were getting uh, tropical rains from a hurricane that was going through, and it was heavy downpour, and didn't affect the spots at all. They stayed there for months. Your sister, who claimed to have seen a UFO, suggested that you do what with around the oh, car? She talked to a physicist. Mm -hmm. who said, go out with a compass and check out the spots, which we did. What happened? And the compass was very, very erratic. Almost spinning or yeah, just... it was, you know. Uh, and we tried it on different other parts of the car, and it didn't react that But way. just near where the spots were. Just uh, the spots. Hence the inference being a magnetic anomaly. Yeah. Something was, was, was really distorting the magnetic uh, uh, draw of the compass. Yeah. At that point, uh, afterwards, you contact... Kufos, J. Allen, Dr. J. No. Allen Hynek, or what is the sequence of events? No. Just Walter first, Webb? First of all, we didn't do anything. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, NICAP in Washington. Okay. I wrote to them mm -hmm. because I wanted to know, being exposed to a UFO, close range, was there any health problems? Were we exposed to radiation? What kind of dangers? They dispatch Walter Webb as their representative. Okay, okay, so, so NICAP has that. That letter winds up on the files of the Center for UFO Studies with Dr. J. Allen Hynek. It might have, I don't know. You never ever communicated with Dr. Hynek. Oh, yeah, oh, we became oh. good friends. Oh, really? But that was years later. Okay. We, oh. we did numerous TV programs together. Okay. What was your feeling on Dr. Hynek? Um, was he obviously a, a thinly veiled skeptic? Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. He believed every word of it. At the end? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, he, as it soon seemed, as he met us. Sure. Um, I think that his take on the UFO phenomena when he was humiliated with the swamp gas incident yeah. um, had to trot out a, an absurd explanation for an event in front of a, a college dorm, I believe, in Michigan yeah. or near the Great Lakes. That's when he said, all right, enough, that he saw that the government was masquerading or at least trotting out um, disinformation and misinformation on the UFO phenomena. Because when he first started, he was working for the government. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... Dr. Hynek and you were great friends then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Great. Not a nominee. And I believe Dr. Hynek's son, there's a son who lives, used to, I don't know about now, you live down here in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So, you're having some troubling dreams now. Is that what, what, what happens at home? Oh, after the, uh, the actually, encounter? ten nights after this happened, I had a series of dreams for five nights. Each dream was different. Which later I found out was a recall of what had happened. And the dreams were depicting what you just described to right. me. At that point, what do you do? Where, when, is, it, is it starting, is Barney troubled by all of this? Is Barney... No. Has his life pattern changed? Has his mood changed at all? Or uh, actually... Any physical... Well, the first thing I did was each morning, during the next day, I wrote down what I could remember of my dream. The following day, which would right. be the 20th. And every time I had it, no, I didn't. I'm sorry, 10, 10 days, right, sure. After so we're talking the 29th, 30th, roughly. Yeah. And I wrote, I made a record of these 38 dreams. years to the day, okay. And sure. then I took and put them away. Mm -hmm. And then later, uh, several months later, I, would, I talked with my supervisor about the meaning of dreams. And... That she said, well, maybe it happened. And suggested, or did she no, connect we with just, some... we just talked about it. 
So, Barney, I mean, your life's going on as usual. You did mention it's not that, that you had these total memory blockages of what happened, um, but you you, re, you knew what happened, but it wasn't dramatically affecting your lives. More, You're uh, curious more than anything. Curiosity. That, at that point, now Walter Webb, representing NICAP, comes. Is, does he get involved in the picture? <clears throat> he came and interviewed us a couple of times. Interviews you. Walter's a, a very highly esteemed researcher, one of the original. Yep, you see, actually... I would say three weeks after this happened, the United States government got involved. Mm -hmm. Did you notice anything strange? Odd vehicles around your home where you followed no, 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 your, they, your prototypical men in black? Did you see any of those? No, they called us from Washington. They were straight They heard about our experience, liked to meet us. They were scientists. They had an interest in UFOs. So, and so they came and we had continuing contacts with them for years. So they the hit. United States government. Sometime, one time we even got together and camped out. We saw 26 of the top scientists in this country, and Jacques Vallée was one of them. Wow. <laughs> so there was no subversion or subterfuge going on with the government. They were straightforward out of curiosity, and then no one was mocking you or highly skeptical. Oh, they were looking for information. You know, and because uh, th this was a highly unique case, um, and it represented a different genre in the UFO phenomena, whereas it was a close encounter, I guess, of the third kind? Or would you call it a fourth kind, where you were abducted? I, I know that those are the, the uh, classifications given by Dr. Hynek. But, but I know... It was a landed craft. You saw occupants, and you went on board it. Yep. And the, the men who came, got in touch with us, were from the White House, Natural Security Council, NASA, and let's see. Yeah. They oh, were the top the big dogs. Right. Uh, right. And the first thing they said to us, stay away from the UFO organizations. And that's, I'd like to reemphasize that to anybody listening at home today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you. You're your own person. Like um, they said, don't, we want to know the facts. Mm -hmm. And we don't want you even with the possibility of being influenced by something else. Mm -hmm. So stay right away. And I always have. Mm -hmm. And I still have contacts. It gets to the spring of 1962. Problems start happening with Barney. Does... Well, what, what's going on with Barney? Barney started to... His blood pressure was fluctuating. And he was having anxieties. Well, see, Barney was working the midnight shift, too. So he's driving to Boston. South Station, every night. Had to be there, I think, midnight. And, you know, he's getting home, getting through, what, at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. He's trying to sleep during the day. And everything just built up. And he got sick physically. Mm-hmm. Lack of sleep can compound itself. Yeah. At that point, did you equate that to the incident of September 19th? Did you think it was directly related? Was no. he having any sort of nightmares? Or was just he just couldn't get to sleep? He couldn't sleep. And and then, um, he was like, he was started some, before we started going to Dr. Simon, he'd leave here, start to drive into Boston and go to work, turn around and come home. And he'd just like, I can't do it. I'm too exhausted. Hmm. I don't feel good. Enter Dr. Simon. And then, no, he wasn't, he was going to his regular family doctor who's prescribing medications and all trying to treat him and he's not improving. 
So his doctors thought maybe he had some kind of emotional problem that was preventing him from healing. So he sent him into a psychiatrist in the same office building he was in. So Bonnie started going to Dr. Stevens on a regular basis, you know, talking about his childhood and his mother and his father and all. And one day Dr. Stevens said, what did you do this weekend? And Barney told him we went up in the White Mountains looking for UFOs. And then Barney told him, and he's the one who referred us to Dr. Benjamin Simon, who had been one of his teachers in medical school. Dr. Simon puts both of you under hypnosis, records... Now, now let me get straight about hypnosis. Mm -hmm. What you hear and what you see is stage hypnosis. We had medical hypnosis, which is the kind that's used in surgery. Medical hypnosis, it's a highly trained psychologist right. or know. doctor as opposed to a charlatan with a watch dangling back and forth. Right. Okay. Right. And um, Dr. Simon, at the end of World War II, had been the, the director of the Mason General Hospital in New York City. For the, retreat, for the treatment of servicemen coming back from World War II who had emotional problems. And he was so highly successful using medical hypnosis that the U.S. Army did a documentary of Dr. Simon's work. And in the beginning, it was two hours long. But then, in 19, 1980, around there somewhere, they shortened the film to one hour, and it was shown at public PBS stations, and the name of the film is Let There Be Light. And if, if you could get a hold of it, it is one of the greatest things you ever saw. So this man is, uh, has a lot of badges, I guess, in the, in the oh, field, of, of, his field he, of psychiatry, but he's not uh, somebody that would lead questions. He, he's, uh, he, like you said, he had brought a lot of men out of battle fatigue that were emotionally scarred in combat, yeah. and uh, the casualties in World War I alone of shell shock, yeah. um, that, that men, if they had been treated by trained uh, physicians, then they could have been saved and, and well, almost been example, brought back to norma normality. In this film, there's a serviceman was brought in in a wheelchair. He cannot walk. Now, he'd been hit by shrapnel. It all had been removed. There was no reason in the world why he couldn't walk, except he couldn't. So, doctors, he's lying on the bed. Dr. Simon puts in medical hypnosis. And he says to him, get up and walk. He says, jumps out of bed walks. And he's walking around the room, and he goes over to the nurse, and he's crying, and he's saying, look, look, I can walk. I can really walk. Dr. Simon puts him back in the bed, brings him out of the hypnosis, and the first thing this patient does is he looks at Dr. Simon, real worried look in his face, and he says, do you think I'll ever be able to walk? And Dr. Simon said, I'm sure you will. And at the end of the movie, he shows him outdoors playing baseball. So Dr. Simon could help people will their way through agony. Right. This is brought to the public's attention in 1968 or 69 when a movie is made. When became, You were known, obviously, through newspaper accounts, but you were brought worldwide, I guess, publicity or maximum publicity when the movie was made. Now, the, 
1965, mm -hmm. a reporter for a Boston newspaper heard about our experience and without ever meeting us, published it for five days on the front pages of the newspaper. It went all over the world at that moment. Without having met you, they, he took he liberties. He took liberties with the story, and there were some inaccuracies. Yep. Yep. Like, what's Well, he was pretty accurate. I was amazed. I still don't know where his source was. Can you just, do you think that maybe a, one of your government contacts had leaked this information to him and had orchestrated somehow to get this to the public consciousness? I never thought of that. I don't know. Okay. What myths do you want to dispel? about your encounter and things that they, they fail to mention, either they fail to mention when people think about the UFO incident with you and Barney, uh, and what are some myths that you'd like to dispel about that? If you can think of any liberties. Uh, I've learned some stuff, for instance, tonight I always thought that they were almond-shaped uh, entities with the, the alien. You said, no, they were very much human-like. They spoke to you verba verbally as opposed to telepathically. Right. And we had a great time. And you had a great and time? You want to, wait a minute, I'll go get Junior so you can see what Junior looks like. Okay, sure. Another thing, I never called them aliens. What did you call beings? What was astronauts. Oh. I called them what they were. Okay. <laughs> astronauts. Sure, sure. That's what they are. I okay. mean, they're... So, this is Junior. Now, this is a sort of a composite of what they look like. There's individual differences. They do not look alike. There's as much difference between among them as there is around any group of people. But this basically shows the characteristics. The larger eyes, nose, mouth, no protruding part, no hair. But this one, this is because he fell off the podium in St. Louis. Oh. He cracked his head. Okay. <laughs> so, but he's okay, though. But he has a pronounced brow ridge. Yeah. Um, as you said, um, a pug nose, um, more or less a very small orifice for a mouth. And actually, instead of whites, actually had yellow eyes and eyes. Well, I see we, irises and pupil. We, we put the yellow in. Okay. To, to emphasize them. I was going to say he yeah. needs visine or, or he looks like he has malaria, but okay. But, uh, okay, now, Junior has been evaluated by I don't know how many physical anthropologists. Mm -hmm. But what he looks like now, if we continue along the path of evolution, this is what we're going to look like in 25,000 years. And would we be mammalian, reptilian, or insectoid, or a combination of the three? I mean, because if you look at the way we're on our way with the nuclear, uh, there was a nuclear uh, um, uh, exposure in Japan, for instance, and radiation causes mutation. And uh, if you look along the lines of evolution, we lost our appendix, for instance. People say we'll lose our little toe because we don't need it. Yeah. Uh, the brain capacity gets larger. You oh. become more spindly because we don't need muscles because it's mind over matter, correct? Is that the... No. No, okay. We're going to be like we are now, except... I mean, look at mankind. It's been around for, what, 2.6 million years? Depends on who you talk to, I guess. It's so subjective. <laughs> So well, there's they've got the bodies. <laughs> so so that's basically what what the uh, the the astronaut looked like. Right. Can I ask you something? When they put that needle back on on board the craft, they put the needle into your navel. Some have speculated that perhaps they were taking eggs or ovae, or no, no you don't no. think so, no. because some have projected that. Isn't it interesting if you correlate that with test tube babies years on? Yeah. Um, well, of course, you know, uh, at the time this happened, doctors said, "Oh, it's because it's absolutely impossible." to put a needle in someone's navel. It would probably kill them, or they get infections. 
And then I think the process was developed in a hospital down in Houston, Texas. Shortly afterwards? Yeah. Uh, did they do a perform any function like that with Barney then? Nope. None whatsoever. No. See, another no, myth Absolutely dispelled. nothing sexual. See, and there's a, that's another myth dispelled because there was always the, that overtone in some of the accounts of your story. So it's good to get that clarified. And, uh, and absolutely no sexual... In fact, uh, you know, we're having these different methods of producing children. Maybe we won't have any sex in 25,000 years. Yeah. Or maybe of us, well, I won't go there, but it's even tough in 1999, let me tell you. Uh, I want to ask you about, after this incident, you are catapulted into the limelight. Not only are, are people relaying similar experiences, you start hearing from people who have similar experiences, and you're probably saying these people are, are imagining, on one hand, others are very legitimate. Did you start well, hearing? First of all, as soon as our experience became known, we became a central point for people to report sightings. And then after the movie, the UFO incident, then we had people, because uh, the movie was in 75, and that was after Barney's death. They were calling me saying, oh, I think I've been abducted. And so then, as a social worker, and I used Dr. Simon's formula. When people tell weird tales, it can be hallucinations, delusions, fantasies, or something, they're recalling something they've seen, heard, or read. Mm -hmm. When you rule out all those, you may have the truth. Mm -hmm. And they can't use uh, the... The using something you had read. They, people tried to equate that you had taken from the Villas Boas case. Villas Boas, for people listening at home, was um, a Latin man who was abducted or claimed to be abducted by a spaceship and, and was, I guess, sexually accosted by a female yeah, alien on board a spaceship. And skeptics like Phil Class, if you want to go after Phil right now, you can. He <laughs> isn't that important. <laughs> you know. Oh. I always tell Phil he only talks that way to try to make money on my reputation. Let's go there for the skeptic. Um, I'm known as a paraskeptic. I, I, if you believe, I probably don't. If you don't believe, I probably do. I amalgamate my theories from both schools of thought. You're both right. You're both wrong. There are some on the far end of this alien culture um, that have these impossible stories that I cannot comprehend. And then there are the absurd, closed-minded skeptics who will denounce anything without even given the possibility that this instance could be real. I think that if there's, I come upon something that's unexplained, my job's complete. I'm looking for hoaxes and I'm looking for misidentifications. Let someone else figure it out. Now let me say this, as far as abductions, there are real, honest to God abductions, but they're not known to the public. Uh, I know probably about 12. And most of them involve two or three people. And 50% of those people who have been abducted are in the emergency room at the hospital within four to six hours. Because they're convulsing or? No, no, no. They have breathing difficulties. They lose their sense of balance. Their eyes won't focus. They have different. Uh, two men in Maine had all kinds brown and yellow marks around their necks, around their eyes, different parts of their body. Was this the Allagash incident, Ray Fowler? Oh, no, okay. No, no. So so they're traumatized. So you, what you're saying is abduction, that you, the ones that aren't readily known to the public, 
they're very um, almost yeah, really. violent occurrences because the physical traces left over, the physical uh, uh, I mean, repercussions. I mean, there's something more than just saying, oh, I think I've been abducted. You I mean, they've called the police and said, take me to the hospital. You, were, you don't consider yourself an abductee, but a passenger. And I think uh, that's refreshing. Uh, a tour. You, I mean, you, you don't do you consider yourself an abductee? No. Nope. No. Even though popular literature points to you, yourself and Barney as the first abductees yeah. because you were the first to... I to call it. We had a meeting. Mm-hmm. So after... I mean, like, the, you know, Columbus came here and the Indians met a, with Columbus. A cosmic caucus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the movie comes on. You're a clearinghouse for information. A lot of people are coming to you, some with stories that you can't believe, others that you see that they're truly traumatized and victimized. They ask, what can you do to help me? You probably answer, I can't do anything except you can only take consolation in others who have shared your same experience. Was that your advice? That's my uh, advice to abductees. Well, if anybody comes to me and says, I think I've been abducted, the first thing I say is, stay away from the UFO investigators. Do not have hypnosis. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it. And then, <laughs> if you've really been abducted, you'll begin to remember it yourself. You don't need anybody to tell you. And you will begin, and you will gradually remember the whole thing, such as uh, John Salter, who was teaching um, in at the college in North Dakota, and he got in touch with me and said, "I think my son and I have been abducted." Now, both of them are college professors. Mm -hmm. Only his son was teaching in California, and father's teaching in North Dakota, and the two of them would get together, and they're going to Mississippi on this trip when it happened. Well, they come back home and they're separated, and both of them begin to recall exactly what happened. No hypnosis, no nothing. They remembered the whole thing. The UFO um, investigators start calling you, but the government's calling you. The, the, the science scientists from all uh, branches of, like you said, military intelligence, um, I'm sure universities, everybody's Got a, got a solid scientific inquiry. There's no skepticism at that point because of your sincerity and your consistency of testimony. Well, for, I don't know, about five years, I guess it was, I did college lecture tours, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. Sure, meeting the and, young people, yeah. the young minds. And then, you see, I invited the UFOs to come back, and they did. Not here, but as a, a few miles from here. And we went out. We had volunteers. We covered the area almost every night for about 15 years. Okay. And, and we had scientists. We had labs with testing equipment. We had the military. We had half the people who lived in town observing. And we got loads and loads of information about UFOs. But we also got hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Sightings because over a 15 year period in southern New Hampshire, you orchestrated watch groups. Right. Um, we I, had all these volunteers, and uh, when I did the college lecture tours, I used about 85 different slides of UFOs. But not just UFOs, UFOs doing different kinds of things. Like a carrier with nine discs coming out of it. Wow. I mean, I'd, I had a $89 movie camera. And you have a film of a actually, mothership. Actually, what I did is I sent the movie film to a friend who's a psychiatrist mm -hmm. 
projected the movie film onto the screen and then took his camera and snapped slides. And then I showed the slides in my lectures. And I got, you know, people don't realize what a huge variety of different kinds and shapes of UFOs there are. And also, they usually travel around in a squadron between 150 and 200. So if you see one UFO, keep looking. There's an awful lot more. They don't travel around alone. That's why the military doesn't attack them. How many different types of entities or, or races of people? Let's, for instance, you met somebody from Zeta Reticuli. How many different space entities? Are they all from Zeta Reticuli? Are they? I have no idea. All I know. Many is that the, the term? All I know is these crafts are flying together in squadrons. Okay. Usually, probably all together, emanating from the same. I don't know where they're all system. coming from. Okay. And they travel in squadrons, and this is only based on on visual observations that you've taken personally. How many UFOs, for instance, have you seen, do you think? It's impossible. Hundreds, we'll just say, right? Thousands. Thousands, okay. And uh, you can't see them on demand, but you have a sense as to well, where to they would appear. They okay. Okay. Anticipating. Uh, uh, would you like to see a picture of a landed UFO? Sure. Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Okay, I'll we'll, go get it. I'll keep Junior right here company. All right. Junior is uh, the clay model or plaster depiction of the entity that Betty saw on September 19, 1961. Betty, as far as the, the UFOs, what's the largest one you've ever seen? Motherships we've heard a mile long. Do you believe that? I'll have to ask that when she comes back. Most UFOs are small. Most UFOs are small. Small, say the size of what, an automobile, the size Ooh, of an airplane? Yeah. About the size of a car, a little okay. bit bigger. Okay. But usually when people say, oh, I saw this huge one, actually what it is is a lot of little ones hooked up together, flying in a solid mass. Okay. This is the landed one. Mm-hmm. Well, you can actually see pods or three legs, yeah. let me point it out right here, of the craft. So this is a landed UFO, New Hampshire. No. No. Yes. yes. Looks to be at dawn or dusk, or is that that's the light being yes. given off by the craft? Yeah, it's beginning to get dusk. So you're looking more or less west yep. for that photograph. Yep. Um, what year was that taken in? Well, sometime in the 70s. In the 70s. Would okay, you... this one would come in every night and land. Same spot or generally yep. the same vicinity? Same general area. And then others would come in, fly up to this one, and then go off. So I always call this one the headquarters. This is where they come in and get their orders for the night. What town? Just give me a hint. I know you don't want to sell out where your place is. Or... Sorry. Okay, good. All right. I tried, though, didn't I? I did try. We're going to have all we can say is southern New Hampshire. That's all we can say about that. And is also, that... this one, uh, this one had, actually is about 14 lights. And they're all lighted. Sometimes they only have two or three lights. Sometimes they have red lights, green lights. You could see the legs on it. You almost had a feeling to go of, of where to go for this one. You had your group together. You had an inkling. Is that what I'm getting now? That, that you had an idea of here's where to go. If we hang out here long enough, we're going to see them and eventually... No. no, okay. No. Driving to my mother's house yep. at night. Mm -hmm. you know, coming home from her house at night. Usually, Bonnie and I would be paced. By, we'd have a UFO on each side of the car. And then they'd go ahead of us and we'd follow them. And they led me to these... They, Led me to this spot. 
Do you have a feeling these are the same entities that originally abducted you on September nineteenth? I don't know, but I assume they knew them. So you? I assume they had some kind of rocket. All right, what just from the same squadron, so to speak? Yeah. Okay. So those UFOs land. They just land. Um, obviously, you didn't walk towards it and try to touch it or get close. The the idea was just uh, they'd land. Here we are. If you want to take your photos, take them now. Um, uh, oh. Actually, if a person tried to walk towards it. Um, they would come up and dot towards the person. Scare them. And it would scare charge. the person to leave. Or sometimes uh, they'd just take off. But usually they just sit there. Does this, when was the last time you saw a UFO? This being 1999. I looked out the window the other night and two of them was flying. Wow. But it was a very, you know... Very poor sighting, you know. I could tell it was a UFO because of the altitude and speed and lighting. What do you think about cloaking possibilities? I've heard stories that I could be standing next to somebody that sees UFOs and I can't see them if I'm not at a certain angle. Do you? If you can't see them, I'd suggest you have your eyes checked. Okay. <laughs> you need glasses, baby. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, that they they when they make themselves appear, they appear to everyone, not just to certain people. Right. Okay, so this nothing to do with this new age um, vibrational um, rate. I don't know type thing. About Okay, that. good, good, good. That's <laughs> another good thing. Well, I'm going to put on the T-shirt. Uh, let's talk about now. You're you you get catapulted in uh, as the UFO authority. You're invited abroad. Tell me about the Europe's reaction or uh, Soviet Union's reaction and how you were treated and who you met, etc. If you could maybe just give me oh. a brief overview of say when you went to Europe. I've even been on. TV in China. Okay. <laughs> in this flight, a filming that was done here was sold to China, and they they had somebody speaking Chinese for me. Also, same thing up in Montreal. I'm speaking French. Uh, you know, where I go, I'm speaking the native. And Japanese, they're just dubbing the in their vo the voice. Yeah. So it's safe to say that this phenomena is worldwide, or is it just the interest is worldwide, or have you heard from all remote parts of the earth of people uh, recounting similar incidents to yours? How would you describe this phenomenon? Well, oh, it's worldwide, <sighs> naturally. Like uh, I t mentioned that my son, it was retired Navy. Well, he was stationed in Japan for many, many years, and he had a Japanese wife. And then he got transferred to this country, and this was in the 60s. And she brought with her publications about UFOs from Japan. Hmm. And I still have them. Wow. And half the article is in Japanese, and the other half is in English. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So... Let's let's uh, look at the uh, UFO phenomena. They're increasing. The government obviously doesn't know what they are, and that's why they're coming to Betty Hill, uh, first-hand witness. Uh, they're trying to learn just as much as everybody else. So the government has to tap into the UFO subculture and the UFO researchers as to getting gleaning information. That brings up my next thing about Roswell. UFO crashes. I have the opinion that there are either no flying saucer crashes or there's an entire litany. You can't have just one. What's your take on UFO crashes and on Roswell? Uh, my opinion that one UFO crashed because a little lieutenant came out and made a public statement. And no little lieutenant comes out all by himself 
and does that. He's got to be cleared from the top. We're talking about Walter Hout, the press information officer at, right. at Walker Field and Roswell Army Air Base. And he came out and said it. And so it happened. Then the Pentagon came in and said, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 meaning you shouldn't have said that, or no, 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 no you, you're totally wrong. It. You see? Let's forget about let's it. Take, let, let's take a good look at the American public. If they came out and said UFOs are flying here, everybody would be saying, they're violating our airspace. Shoot them. Right. If you don't like them, you don't understand them, you kill them. Right? That's right. That's the American way of life. I really think the government is protecting UFOs. Well, well, let's go, let's go take one step further. The government, I think the window of opportunity for disclosure of UFOs' existence by the government has closed. And like you said, because the public would say they've been flying in our airspace all along. The next congressional defense budgetary hearing, they'd slash line item after line item and cut their budgets, number one. So um, there is no defense against them. They have not shown to be an aggressive phenomenon. They could have shot down our fighters. We have the Tom, Thomas Mantell case. Um, we have a case in Australia, the Valentich case, where... Um, people unfortunately encountered UFOs and disappeared or had some sort of yeah. craft malfunction. These instances are going to happen. Hence that these... these uh, the, the case in Australia. A friend of mine was in Australia. When the Valentis case, Valentis case, 1975 or 76. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine was in Australia when this happened and actually met with the parents of this man. I think he was 19 years old, 20, something like that. So now we're out in the area where the UFOs are. And we're yelling to them and asking them to bring them back to us. <laughs> hmm. And you were asking, pleading yep. to bring them back. And they're actually coming right in close to us, like they were trying to hear what we were saying. So you are a, a center or focal point, or, or somehow you, you tend to attract UFOs. Is that, if, you, if Betty Hill wants to see a UFO and put your mind to it, UFOs will come? No. No. Uh, and sometimes I can... I, I say that I think it's almost like an atmospheric change of some kind. I can be sitting here, and I can UFO go over the window, and there it is. Okay, so so you have a feeling there's something it, that an urging. It, it maybe it disturbs the air currents mm -hmm, or something. Mm -hmm, that you're that sensitive I to that. Just briefly back to Roswell. So your take on Roswell is did that incident happen or not, or is the point moved? It's not even worth discussing. Oh, I think a UFO crashed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep, and I think it was recovered. No, I don't know if bodies were recovered or not. Well, but I think a craft was. Well, if bodies weren't recovered. It was either a remote controlled or b they were picked up by by a safety rescue flying it saucer. Could, it could have been okay because we had a UFO crash here. Where? Where's here? In my area. In southern New Hampshire. And I went out there, and all the people running UFO crash. Oh, maybe we ought to call the military. Maybe we ought to call the police. And I said, no, go home and leave them alone. If it crashed, and there's anybody alive on it, let the others come in and rescue them. Can I ask you where this happened and when? Uh, very close to the world. It's, uh, Southern right. New Hampshire again, that's yeah. all we'll get. But what about what time, what year, what, it's something like this? And, and does CSETI know about this that, that um, has a catalog of flying saucer crashes? Uh, this was never reported. And guess what and year? And the next day, I went out with a neurosurgeon from Pease Air Force Base, thinking that if it crashed, if, they, if one was killed, they might have left the body behind. And we searched the whole area. Because if we can find the body, we're going to bring it back and put it in my freezer. Mm -hmm. 
and he was going to do it in the top seat. Oh. And then we were going to uh, call the whole world to come in and see it. That's right, Ray Santelia included, the British guy who... And, and we, but we didn't find any bodies. So, but we did find where it crashed. What year was it? I don't know. Oh, 60s, 70s? 70s, I would 70s. Say. Okay, so do you remember when the people were coming running out of the woods, did you see any object impacted? Did you see any I didn't glow? See the, no, but what happened is what when the UFO... Okay, this man is stopped at a stop sign. Mm -hmm. And the UFO came crashing right straight down. Mm -hmm. Just missed his truck. Mm -hmm. And then it went along through the woods, and it cut the trees right off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this place is probably 25 feet wide. And this is what everybody's running after the UFO, following with all these trees are crashing down. And, and that's when I got them all to come back and go home and forget it. <laughs> so UFO crashes are frequent then? Uh, well, I think probably some, quite, few, quite often a craft malfunctions, oh, and then they get out and you repair it and take off. Do you think the military has ever shot down a UFO? Leah Haley in uh, Pensacola, Florida, claims to have been on board, abducted by a UFO that was shot down by an electromagnetic pulse beam weapon by the United States Air Force in Eglin Air Force Base. You don't, you don't buy that at all? No. I know that they shot a piece off from a UFO, mm -hmm. and they send it outside this country to be analyzed. Mm -hmm. And the scientists in that country were not able to analyze it, and so the scientists took it and put it, packed it away up in his attic. And in 1975, the CIA called and said, "Send it back." So they had to go up in the attic. It's puttering. Got to go up there, go through all those boxes, get that damn piece out, mm -hmm. send it back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Parts are coming forward now to the International UFO Museum in Roswell, some claiming to be of extraterrestrial origin. Uh, some has been traced back to just some a China or pottery maker in Denver, Colorado. Um, I saw the pieces of debris. It looked uh, to be some sort of piece off the bumper of a Volkswagen, in my opinion. You've got the charlatans, the hoaxers, that are going to come forward and say that uh, this is a piece of a UFO when it is indeed is not. And then you have other... Um, pieces of material that have an odd metallurgy to them, an odd um, atomic and isotopic structure. So, what you're saying oh, is... Oh, I've had stuff analyzed mm -hmm. that I've picked up from UFOs. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the stuff, no matter what it looks like or feels like, the puzzling thing is it dissolves in water. That they can't figure out. Mm -hmm. Almost... Is it a gelatin-like substance? Oh, no, no, it just falls apart. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's like, no, it's like. Do you, do you think the UFOs are seen over military bases more, over high mineral content areas more, over anomalous magnetic areas? What's your take? You mentioned prior to going on the air here about them emanating from the Arctic Circle. Yeah, well, here, because we did have Pease Air Force Base, but we haven't had it since the, 18, since the 1980s sometime. Mm -hmm. Pease was a strategic air command right. uh, depot. There were nuclear weapons on site. Yeah, yeah. There the are UFOs used to come in over the nuclear weapons, and the MPs used to go out with their blue lights flashing, and then the UFOs would take off. Ordered the not police would leave, and the UFOs would come back. So after a while, they just left them alone. 
Early on, um, so this was frequent at Pease Air Force oh, Base. Yeah. So early on, I'm sure they scrambled fighters, but after a while, they, they decided that it was just a waste of time. And um, that Well, sometimes they'd send planes up to just follow them, see where they're going, what are they doing. But not in an offensive no, attack posture, just in a recon reconnaissance yeah. posture. I think just looking for information. I don't think, think Pease went around shooting at them. So, Everybody in New Hampshire would be screaming. That's right. They, 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 they call attention onto themselves. So, so Betty, they come. They, they, do you agree, then, though, with that assessment that UFOs are seen over uh, sensitive military installations that deal with nuclear weapons, high mineral content areas? Um, Here, they follow rivers. For navigation. They follow rivers. And they used to follow railroad tracks, but not so much now, because we don't have that many railroads. So they did need lines of navigation. Right. And our pilots have told me that maybe the reason they come in here so often is when they're flying in, and you look down and you see Cape Cod, the shape of the land, mm -hmm. there's no other place in the world with the land shaped in that pattern. That's correct. And so maybe that's why they come in here. It's easy to identify. From outer space. Right. Let's talk about um, the alien subculture. I've seen the alien interview film that supposedly emanated from Area 51, where they have this bulbous head entity. Frankly, it looks like one of Jim Henson's mutated Muppets, but they have this bulbous entity in this enclosure and some sort of scientist or doctor trying to communicate it, communicate with this entity. It has convulsion and collapses. Uh, you've seen the Russian, uh, the Russian flying saucer crash footage that came out on TNT a few years ago. Uh, along with the Sverdlovsk midget, which was a cadaver uh, apparently recovered by the Soviets. And then you have oh, the famous I... alien autopsy footage. So, Okay, I saw the uh, one of the small craft that crashed in the Soviet Union. I saw that on TV, where they recovered the bodies. Right, right. I and believe that. So you believe in yeah. aliens. My take is if, if there are UFO crashes, then there have to be occupants. If there are occupants, some have to be dead, some have to be alive. If they're dead, then they have to be autopsied. If they autopsied, you can bet that the military is going to film them. Hence, there is autopsy footage. The question begs, is the alien autopsy footage that was circulated four years ago by Ray Santilli, do you believe that to be authentic or not? Do you know? That, actually, that body looks more like the astronauts that you than saw. any other pictures I've seen. Very good point. I never, I never correlated that, but that that cadaver it looks, it looks, it looks like very similar to what's our friend's name again here? Junior. Junior. Yeah, it looks, they, it does look very similar right. to Junior. Has sent, in fact, we saw a UFO person that looked very much like the one in that film. Where did you see this? On board the craft when yeah. you were taken. Okay, yeah. okay. So, so and I think in the film they said it was a woman, and the autopsy. Right. right. Well, see. If you really look at them, there's no way to tell male from that. They're eunuch almost, neither male nor right. female. I mean, no pro, no pro, How are you going to wear earrings if you don't have protrusions? Sure, sure. That's right. That'd be that'd be that'd be hurt your That's cheeks, true. wouldn't it? Right, and no curls. That's right. If you no hair, you have right. no curls. And no need for conditioner or rinses either. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about government interference. Government has never interfered with your life. They haven't stalked on you. In fact, they've been just the opposite. The government has uh, been kind to Betty Hill, always inquiring about information, cordial, uh, never threatening. I want to talk to you about men in black. Um, these are supposedly secret uh, government agents with agendas or aliens 
trying to manifest themselves in a human form. What's your take on men in black? Have you ever seen them? Have you ever talked to anybody that's, that's encountered men in black? I've met a lot of men in black, but they're never any threat. Okay, so... so <laughs> and they nothing to do with you. Okay, so, so that, that we dispel that. I want to ask you about USOs. That's unidentified submerged objects. Do you think that UFOs can go underwater? Do I know you... they can. Elaborate on that, please. They go underwater all the time. Because it's a great hiding place? They won't be disturbed? Well, no, I wasn't there, but down here in New Haven, Wallace Sands, the beach, a Sunday afternoon. And this report came from England. There was a man there, apparently a UFO investigator, visiting someone in this area. He's down on the beach. The UFO came along, went right down in the water, and then later came up again. And the beach was crowded. Hundreds of people saw it. Wow. There was an incident in New Hampshire where I believe around the time of your, no, I want to say maybe late 60s, where something plummeted through the ice of a lake. Which caused a, a stir, a stir, and a commotion. Oh, or the, oh, oh, do you recall oh, that incident? Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Of what as to what you recall, or oh, were you involved with I'm that? I'm trying at all? to think of the man's name. He lives right up the street from my cousin. But I heard it. And I called him, and then other organizations were calling peace to get information. And they were telling everybody to call me. <laughs> ah, okay. So in other words, it was a cold winter's day. Uh, an object plummeted through a, the ice of a lake in New Hampshire. This they man a, was a contractor. An the, odd green foam scene or something to that effect. This man was a contractor. Mm -hmm. He built houses. And this is the middle of a blizzard. Heavy, heavy snow, 20 below zero temperature. And he's standing, looking out the door. And he sees that this uh, pond, the ice is melting. At 20 below zero. So he went out and saw that there was this rod at the bottom of this little pond. And I believe a green foam or something like that, no. or some odd bubbling or nothing? Oh, he just saw it down there and he was so puzzled. So he thought, well, he'd go get something and pull it out. And then, he, like, he got a rake and he said, told me he got out there and he looked at it and he said, what if it's electrical and it's in water? And I got a metal lake, a metal rake. Mm -hmm. I could get killed. Sure, electrocuted. So he said, well, he'd wait to see what happened. He went back in the house. And later a friend came, and he showed, showed it to his friend. Now his friend called the police or somebody, and that's how they got involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the governor got involved. Everybody broke off the area. And Meldrum Thompson, I believe, was yeah. he the government of, yeah. governor at the time. And they claimed they couldn't find anything. Other people claimed that they actually saw them take this rod-like thing out of the water. Have you been to the Nazca Lines in Peru? Those are the depictions yeah, on the, the Peruvian plains, the desert that uh, supposedly are runways or chariots of the gods, Eric von Daniken, who I'm sure you've met and spoken several with times. several we times. Several times. a bottle of wine together. Oh, is that right? okay. <laughs> All right. I had a beer with Stan Friedman. He's the uh, Roswell researcher. So, uh, Stan, I've known... Stan Friedman was one of the first people, we, well, not, not the first, but um, besides the ones from Washington, Stan was the first one we met who was not government-connected. And nuclear physicist, itinerant yeah, nuclear physicist at the in, time. Bonnie and I were going to do a program, uh, Phil Donahue show, mm -hmm. and we'd 
I think it was Dr. I'm not sure what, Pittsburgh, Pittsfield, Pittsburgh. And then uh, Stan heard we were there and he called us and came by and we met. Yeah, and we still keep in touch. You've been to Gulf Breeze, Florida, Pensacola, which is the site of Hurlburt um, Field, which is special operations, highly trained military operatives uh, with the, well, they're independent of the Army and Air Force. There are some of our high, highly skilled troops. You've got Eglin Air Force Base, highly sensitive installation. Fort Walton Beach. Fort Walton Beach, you know it. Pensacola uh, Bay, and hence we have a man by the name of Ed Walters, uh, November 1987. I've done that. Starts, starts uh, taking pictures of these odd crafts. People are saying they're hoaxed. I've spoken with Ed Walters. Um, my, the jury's still out, in my opinion, on Ed Walters. A group forms called the Watchers. They sit at Shoreline Park looking over Pensacola Bay, Santa Rosa Sound every night and see what people say are UFOs on demand. I take the trip down to Gulf Breeze. I sit with these people, and they're ooing and ahhing at these red lights. I said, look, at there's a UFO. I said, no, that's a plane, a taxiing plane on the way into Eglin. Well, what about that one over there? I said, near the radio tower? They said, no, no, right there. And I said, that is the radio tower. Uh, another one uh, woman says, these, we see these red lights traveling along the surface of Santa Rosa Sound. And I said, like those ones out there? She goes, there you go, UFO. And I said, they're car tail lights. You can see the car driving out. So I've sat with these watchers, and they cannot identify an aircraft, let alone a star in the sky. Um, I think people were, they were desperately wanted to see UFOs, and they got them, but they got mundane phenomena. What's your Unfortunately, take on Unfortunately, I don't think anybody... I saw the original tape that Ed Walters made of a UFO. It was a UFO. Now, I don't know about any enlargements or any of those things, but I also saw the spot where the UFO landed, left marks in the ground. I don't have a beef now, with... This was, with Walters. Okay, first of all, I have friends that lived at Fort Walton Beach. And I go down and stay three or four or five days. Well, I would go down there and people would ask me all about UFOs. And I would say, if you see a UFO, do what we do in New Hampshire. Take your camera and film it. And Ed Walters did. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, these photos were spectacular. The watchers, meanwhile... The original filming was not spectacular. It was just a plain, ordinary, red, sure. glowing yep. UFO. Yep. And, then the, and it landed in the schoolyard. And, then the and it left marks. And then the definition of the object took shape in the photographs. It okay, was very and consistent. the enlargement. I've never seen a UFO, that kind of UFO. And if people, but it could be. People tried to claim that Ed Walters hoaxed it, yet there were other people that, unbeknownst to Ed Walters, that were seeing the exact same type of craft in the sky at the exact same time that Ed oh. Walters was. You know, so, I, in my opinion, Walters could be the victim of a hoax, but he was not the hoaxer. Look, That's my opinion. I talked to people. If all you got to do is go to Pensacola, go back to old newspapers, 1950, mm -hmm. 1960s, and you're going to find all kinds of reports of UFOs. They've been seen They're not new years. there. That's They've right. been there for years. That's right. Now, and again, I'm going to, I call at Pensacola, Eglin Air Force Base, Area 51. Been, Area 51 Gulf, though, I call it because it's a sensitive installation. We've got the Gulf Test Range where we run missile runs, uh, torpedo runs we ran in uh, World War II. We trained our pilots out there, but it's a sensitive area. And again, getting back to if UFOs are visiting, they're going to go to where the party is, where the where we want to know where the entertaining people are. You'd be over Los Alamos, you'd be over Sandia Laboratories in Albuquerque, you'd certainly go to Eglin, and you'd go, as we mentioned, Area 51. What's your take on Area 51, Betty? Do you think that they're hiding down? I don't think that's UFOs. Okay. 
You know what I think it is? And I we, think it's when we captured planes from other countries and we're testing them out. We did it in Area 51. Also, the last thing I read was that area was so polluted with radioactivity that they moved everybody out. So you and I think alike in that respect. I think that there are black aircraft like the SR-71, the F-117 stealth fighter B-2 bomber, and there are red aircraft, Operation Red Hat. They run uh, red flag games out there whereby they take their enemy's aircraft, the Soviet Union MiGs, and they test them. They want to find their Achilles heel, their weaknesses, yeah. so you'll continually... So why not put up a UFO store? Yeah, we got flying saucers here when the real agenda is we've got Soviet aircraft. You know, you can talk about UFOs there. And, and it also, if it's polluted with all this radiation, sure, I mean, it also could be a health factor. There were a lot of nuclear shots out there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still cratered to this very day. Yeah. So we basically, um, in this interview, taken a walk across America, discussed Roswell, Gulf Breeze, Area 51, hot spots of UFO phenomena. Do you think the Great Lakes is a hot spot for UFOs? Do you believe in something like the Great Lakes Triangle, for instance? Oh, uh, I know there's a lot of sightings. They follow waterways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? They go up the St. Lawrence River. Can you equate UFOs with, say, instances in the Bermuda Triangle, or are they two separate and distinct phenomena? Oh, I think they're separate and distinct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crossing into other areas of Fortiana, like, um, say, let's just talk sea monsters. You've been to Loch Ness. I've been to Loch Ness. Beautiful place, myself included. You went probably to Drumna Drocket, which is the little hub of the lock. Did you ever see anything strange? Did you see a UFO near Loch Ness? Nope. Nothing? Nope. Just a beautiful lock? Nope. No nope. surface? And we went on a tour. We went all over England and Scotland and Wales. Mm -hmm. But the UFO, Island. <laughs> the, the UFO phenomenon is very deep and entrenched in, in the UK, in the United oh, Kingdom. Yeah. They're seeing them just like we are. Yeah. In fact, I just got a card from a man. He's the National Director of Menza. You know the Menza? Sure, Mensa, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the national director of that mm -hmm. in England. Was, and he's also involved in UFOs. I was a member, let's talk quickly about UFO groups. I was involved with BUFORA, which is the British UFO Research Association. I'm a dissenting member of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. I tend to think that MUFON collects all the UFO reports and sits on them, as if I think out of greed that they're going to either slip us the answer one day or that how can we put this into a database and make some money. And I've known a lot of people that have sent reports to MUFON trying to get information on it or, or have a researcher meet a dead-end door with old Walter there. And Walter's retired, nice man. But um, there was a cloak of secrecy. What do you think of that? No, because I don't think they get enough valuable information. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so move on. Yeah, I know. I've met Walt. Um, and John Schuessler, who's going to take over. Mm -hmm. He and I have had contacts with each other. In fact, I think John Schuessler was there when Junior fell off the podium okay. and broke his head. <laughs> okay, so, so and then uh, Dwight Connolly, who's taken over as the editor of Move On, has been here. You know. I mean, I have contacts with these people. So, so these UFO organizations are subjective in nature. Um, each state with its own little agenda um, on, on, on how you'll see your UFOs and what your UFOs will look like. That's the, that's the idea I got. Where the science breaks out in fissures, you've got individual organizations with their own individual perception of what a UFO should or behave like. Hence, and they don't. You never know what they're going to do. So it's a game, a massive game of pin the tail on a donkey, and a lot of people are getting poked in the you-know-what. Everybody seems to think that they have the answer, when in fact, maybe we all have a, a certain piece uh, to the phenomenon. Um, have you ever seen Bigfoot, Betty? No, I have never seen Bigfoot. 
However, I think maybe he might have run through my mother's yard one night. In southern From, New Hampshire. Yeah, because the whole ground shook. And we kept hearing this little noise, and we thought, it's too big for a bear. So we picked up sticks and we're hitting the ground. That's what you do to keep a bear away. Or what's for, I don't know. I never met a bear face to face, but that's what we've been told. So you would not equate them with UFOs, big? Yes, I would. Okay. Oh, please digress. I think, I, now I say this now. Basically, I think you are Bigfoot is of this planet. Okay. But I there have been reports of a UFO landing. And one footprint by the door of the UFO mm -hmm. is a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And there's only one print. So it's like he put one foot out, looks around, gets back in. I mean, something's got a huge foot. So these cases of the equation between Bigfoot and UFO phenomena at least have to be considered. Right. Because if you look at mainstream Bigfoot research, they denounce any sort of paranormal influence or association with Bigfoot or UFO equation. Or if you're riding around in a UFO and you want to clear the area, drop down Bigfoot there, for a few minutes. That's a great idea, sure. <laughs> Stink the place out or scare you out, run you right out of the area. I'd like to conclude this uh, interview and I want to thank you for, for taking the time. You've been very uh, informative and you really um, opened up my eyes and, and really set yourself apart from the other abductees. I've interviewed abductees. I've interviewed uh, a woman that that uh, after she went through hypnosis, and we mentioned that earlier in the interview, how dangerous hypnosis can be as a tool if it's in the wrong hands and implemented right. and can psychologically scar an individual. But she was digressed or regressed, I, I should say, and had a UFO experience. Now she won't even open her closet door or look under her bed because that's where she claims UFO entities tend to emerge from. What? Well, that's three-year-olds got the monsters in the closet. What advice would you give to UFO abductees? When I talk to people that have seen a UFO, they say, what can I do? And I say, nothing. Should I go to the police? No, because you'll bring scorn and ridicule, and they're not going to help you anyways. But these people should form some sort of support group, share their experiences with others who have similar experiences. Perhaps you can have consolation, and you can have uh, um, uh, that type of support within your own. Would you agree to that? Uh, that no. Okay. <laughs> well, I tell them, if you think you've been abducted, don't tell anybody. Okay. Stay right away from everybody, and in time you will remember. And then once you remember, then you will know what to do. Mm -hmm. You're not going to need a support group. Okay, good advice. Good mm -hmm. advice indeed. If you look at UFO sightings, they started landing in the 50s. Yours was the first abduction account in the 60s. Um, people taken on board saying that there were sexual tests performed on them. Now there are women that said that they've been cl uh, claiming that they've been pregnant and that they, I call it, um, uh, intergalactic womb snatching, uh, whereby they said they were pregnant. Nurses will tell you that almost every woman of childbearing age at some time or another has what we call the missing baby syndrome. The false pregnancy. Right. That, that uh, you the think that you're pregnancy. pregnant. And your body gives you the signs that you're pregnant. Yep. God, I'm lucky I'm a guy. I did <laughs> sometimes when I don't. So, so you're saying that um, this this agenda? Are they stepping up their agenda? Are they making drones? Are they making half human, half alien entities? To How can they? You can't make, mix a dog and a cat together. Okay, you we're two separate species. And they, they, if if they are uh, astronauts, and just because of the of they're the shape of us, there's no sign that their internal organs are the same. So you don't buy into that then? No, I don't. Okay. 
Um, in concluding the interview... In fact, in the real abductions that I've worked with, there has been no sexual interest at all in any of them. They, Man or woman. They, it seems that they just want to scare the bejesus out of them. Is that what you're saying? Because the traumatized... No, they're searching. Every real abduction, they're looking for different kinds of information. Uh, the testing they do on this person is totally different from this one, from this one, from this one. It's looking like they're looking for information for themselves. Well, I keep repeating the same old tests over and over again. Dr. Jacques Vallée has a great adage. We have to understand that we may not be able to understand. Do you like that? Well, my book, Common Sense Opposed to UFOs, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Betty Hill. What's the address? That, 953 if they want to buy State. If they want to buy it. Yeah. Okay. Jacques Villay loves this book. It is a common sense approach. You do take a common sense approach to UFOs. Right. Um, uh, you don't look at this upon this as an evil phenomenon. You look upon this as an interesting phenomenon. Right. This is. I the, mean, they're astronauts. They're explorers. They're, they're just like explorers. somebody coming from Span, Spain to New Hampshire. Right. They're tourists, right. basically, aren't they? Um, are They're there... looking us over. I mean, let's face it. Why would any advanced civilization want to get friendly with us? <laughs> right. But in the same token... We're not really very... We're still quite primitive, you know. If, if, you, if you look at the prelude, the order of battle, and I don't like to say that, but uh, you send recon. If you're scouting out an area, before I buy a tract of land, I scout it out with the white. Do you think that they have eyes on our planet? Do you think that they want to mine our planet and that this planet would be better off run by them and not by us? And moreover, if we were uh, disposed on uh, like fleas, a case of fleas on this planet, do, do you think that their intentions are malevolent? I think they wouldn't take us as a gift. <laughs> so you're saying is they like the planet, but they don't like what's on it. I mean, I think they're trying to decide what level of evolution we're in. Where'd you go wrong? When are we going to go progress? Mm -hmm. is, is every year we get worse rather than better? Do they have their eyes on the planet and its minerals? Not to my knowledge. Have they assisted the military in developing uh, third, fourth, fifth generation aircraft? Uh, <laughs> have we made a quantum leap in avionics due I to think, alien in, I think in, that in, intervention? I think we've had advances in our technology based on things that we've obtained from crashed UFOs, so the book, like fiber optics. Okay, Philip Corso was the one who wrote right. The Day After Roswell. Um, all of this, I agree with him. Unfortunately... I know two people who did an well, analysis of this stuff. Well, unfortunately, I can't find holes in his story. Um, he is who he says he was. That's no denying. Because um, the only difference I would have is he seemed to think that the UFOs were a threat to us. I know he made but a lot. This is military. Anybody violating our airspace could be a threat. I know the material command at Wright Pat were all nervous. Wright Patterson Air Force Base when this book came out because that was one of their own coming out under secrecy and, and obliterating his oath, and there wasn't anything they could do to him. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that, that 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 there was some sort of confluence of of, of alien uh, intelligence or alien inventions that were that were uh, subtly cast into the industrial mainstream and uh, brought to fruition through fiber optics, through night vision goggles, through super strong alloys, uh, yeah. through maybe some bulletproof sort of a, bulletproof, an exotic propulsion system perhaps. So um, do you believe that we uh, are flying 
exotic aircraft out of... No. Um, okay, the, we don't have the, the capability. Do you believe that we perhaps have a string of lethal satellites orbiting the planet that may be, in fact, not there to shoot down intercontinental ballistic missiles, but are in orbit, say, to... Uh, shoot down UFOs. There you go. Do you believe that that's possible? Oh, I think we might attempt it, but I don't think we'd be successful. So, in other words, before we fight, we're going to train. And we, if, if they, that's the way the military looks at it, if they cannot take on uh, an opponent and defeat it, then they're going to go back and in, into the drawing board until they're ready to have that technology and take down these UFOs. Do you think that that's in the government's agenda eventually, is to shoot them down and leave us out? Is the sake of our species at stake here? Um, no, I don't think, uh, first of all, the government's not going to shoot them down. And you say government. I'm talking about all the governments of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it would be futile. It would be like peasants throwing rocks at an F-16 jet fighter, for instance. Right. Right. Okay. And any, they're, not, they're not threatening us in any way. The, 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 the phenomenon is moot, as they say. Yeah. There is there is a mundane threat. Tell me, what, what's in your book? What do you talk about? You it's talk about actually, your encounter. It's about my experiences with UFOs since uh, 1961. Is it a handbook how, how to see UFOs? Uh, do you give tips there? Well, I have the, uh, you know, how we found the area and all. Mm -hmm. And I, I, from, I understand there are several areas in the, this country where people go out just like we did every night and observe and take pictures. Some can say Sedona, Arizona, Gulf Breeze. Some say the Nevada Desert. Uh, some now say outside Salt Lake City to the west at Hill Air Force Base, Dugway Proving Grounds. I've always heard up towards Lake Michigan. That right, area. right, the Great Lakes Triangle, right. That's yeah. always been a hotbed yeah. for UFO sightings. Uh, west Virginia had a spate of sightings in the yeah. 50s and 60s uh, in that area of Virginia. So um, you don't think it's relative to what's underneath the ground. It's just uh, that it's chance that they chose a specific area yeah. or they found interested uh, people that are interested in them, for instance, you, uh, that are in southern New Hampshire. Yeah. And I think, all right, now, for example, they're interested in things that we do. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, in this area where we went out to observe, about two or three miles away, they're building a golf course. Every night the UFOs are out there looking over to see what's going on. Hmm. And uh, not too far from there, this uh, farm decided to start growing all these fruit trees. And they had all this heavy equipment and everything, you know, they're planting acres of them. Well, we used to go out and watch the UFOs flying around the heavy equipment. Let me ask you this, how do they eat? Do you believe in cattle mutilation? Do you think that's equated with aliens? I don't know. But I don't know. You're open-minded to that or you haven't done enough investigation such that you couldn't comment? Well, I've Actually, I wrote about it with the police out in Colorado. Okay, so you've been to the San Luis Valley. Uh, I don't know where that is. Yeah, it's, it's okay in Colorado. So you were, yeah. I've been. Colorado uh, Springs, actually, Denver. Uh, I was out Trusted Butte. Okay. I think that's supposed to be the highest altitude. The yeah. highest alpine plain, right. So yeah, it sounds like you were at the San Luis Valley, which is a, a hotbed for cattle mutilation. So you're not sure as to if the two are equated and the aliens have to eat somehow, right? Do they eat food? I don't know. I don't know what they eat. But I know that, uh, you know, I rode around with the police out there looking for, uh, they showed, took, you know, took me around, showed me this is where this cat, mm -hmm. cattle were mutilated, mm -hmm. and how they had actually had hired men to go out and protect the cattle tonight with their loaded guns. And, and they, um, were, they were cookie cutter in sized. Yeah. 
um, laser precision. So you don't know what to, to make of that. No, but uh, somebody was mutilated. I know one thing. Uh, one farmer gave me a picture of a calf of his that had been mutilated. And I showed it to this friend of mine, a neurosurgeon. And he looked at it and he said, if you can find out who did that cutting, I want to go in business with him. That's right, because uh, whoever did it has to be one of the most foremost skilled surgeons on the planet, and you think that they'd want to hang out on their their yacht at Miami Beach or play some golf in Hawaii as opposed to going out in sub-zero temperatures in the high Alpine Valley plain cutting up cows. So uh, I want to ask you about crop circles. What's your take on crop circles? Are they man-made? Are they alien-made no, or combination of the they're two? They're alien, not UFO-made. They, they are. I, I have a friend who just came back from England. They are I've not alien-related. Oh, gee. She's, I have here. Would you like to see them? Yeah, are you saying, are they alien? I've got pictures yeah. of the crop, the new crop circles that were done in August. Oh, okay. They are fantastic. Do you think that they are associated with UFOs? They have to be. Okay, they have Nobody to be. Nobody right. on this planet could have the abilities to create them. Okay. Uh, I've examined Doug, Doug Bowers and David Shorley are two hoaxers in England. Oh, that started the crop circle or started making crop circles in the late seventies, early eighties. They can lay claim to a majority of the crop circles, but not all of them. No, these two guys—they're more or less hoaxes. Mm -hmm. They decide, you know, they take a board. They, right. But these actually, in the crop circles, the wheat is almost like it's braided. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just flatten. It's swirled. Some people standing within them can feel, um, a, uh, hear a hum. Others can can put a compass over some sort of Geiger counter, and there are magnetic anomalies involved. Yep. Are you aware that there's sand circles have been found in the deserts of the Sahara, uh, Gobi Desert in China, and ice circles? In fact, an ice circle was found on the frozen Charles River in Medfield, Massachusetts, circa yeah. 1993. Oh, I never some, knew that. Yeah, ice circles have been found. Um, near the Ross Sea ice shelf in Antarctica, um, so that these are not just uh, in the barley fields and cornfields uh, of England. They are taking a pl place across uh, many vast expanses of the well, globe. I know there's been crop circles found in on the West Coast. Right, Washington State recently. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on? Have you heard of black helicopters? Yep, have I've you? Them. Okay, could you could you elaborate, please? Well, the one that I filmed, I have a picture of a hel helicopter pilot site. They can't understand it because it's been modified in such a way that it should not be able to get off the ground. The helicopter. Yep. Um, San Luis Valley, back to Colorado, where the cattle mutilations occurred. That's a hotbed for um, black helicopters. And they, that's the police believe it's the black helicopters doing the mutilations. You think it's a? You think it's somebody in those black helicopters right. that now the question is, is: Are they government? Or are they aliens no, manifesting? The, are they aliens manifesting themselves as black helicopters? They, I don't know who they are, but they're not government. Why would they go around doing that? Right, because they could have their own little farms and experiment on their animals to their heart's content. Right. So that that would leave up yep. an option. And uh, Chris O'Brien, I made this infer inference to him. He's a researcher in the San Luis Valley. What if the UFOs could manifest themselves as black helicopters? Let's just say, if an incident... That, uh, that's it. See, now you're going to do a totally different area. Well, let's go. We're there. I've got a picture that I took in daylight. I looked up. I was out in my area, and I'm with a friend, and I look up, and I saw a plane and a helicopter flying side by side. Was the plane a C-130, had four engines on it? Um, what type of plane was it? 
just a plane on a helicopter. Okay. And those two attracted my attention. And I got a Polaroid camera. I snapped the plane and the helicopter. You don't see planes and helicopters flying side by side. I snapped the picture. And I got a disc and a flying barrel. Wow. Along with a plane and a helicopter. So lately, over the years, um, also I have a friend who filmed a carrier letting off look like small planes, like the old planes, like World War One planes. Hmm. I think something like eight of them came out of the carrier. And they looked like almost like World Wars. All planes. Interesting. And so, of and then UFO. also, yeah. There, and then also, we had here what we call the crazy plane. What's that? It looks like a plane. Okay. And it will do things like it'll come right straight down. From here, the meaning sky. southern New Hampshire. Yeah, roaring, worse than ten jets. Come right straight down, pointed at the ground, stop about twenty feet, flatten off, up, and take off. Do you think that's an alien craft or a government? I know it is. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so, so we so have... They're beginning to disguise themselves. That's okay. So, so They're beginning to look like things that were familiar to us. Right. So that they can get in closer. Now, I want to get back to special operations groups. I mentioned them earlier. They emanate out of uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and, and Albuquerque. They're trained there. They're dispatched, or I call them their nest, is at Eglin, Hurlburt Field. Black helicopters are shiny or flat uh, black helicopters that uh, are not um, registered with the FAA. They don't have any military numbers or markings, so they don't exist. You can fly at any altitude, anywhere you want. They also are accompanied by four-engine planes called C-130s. They can be, the way I look at it is it's the United States of America's way to check into the terrorist game unannounced. You fight terrorism sometimes, unfortunately, with terrorism. These are surgical teams that can get into an area perform whatever duty they have to do with electrical intelligence or psyops against the enemy and leave. So now for the aliens to manifest themselves, you have UFO sightings and these special operations groups would show up later. So now it seems that the aliens may be, or so I've heard, manifesting themselves as these black helicopters almost in a mocking manner. What do you think of that? To the point that uh, here's here's your secret group and okay, yeah, and the UFOs come in and manifest themselves as black helicopters because you're, you're inferring that these UFOs have the capacity to manifest themselves as some of our sensitive aircraft. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. I do know this. I've talked with military. Oh, no, we use, in war times, we use black helicopters. Mm -hmm. Now, after Vietnam, all the helicopters came back and they were repainted to go to the different branches of government, the military that they've been assigned to. And there were no black helicopters. But I assume we probably had them when we attacked Iraq. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, in, so in other words, black helicopters are great. Um, they're great instead of scrambling fighters for, to investigate UFOs. You can get a chopper up out of anywhere, get it to the area, investigate. They're usually a few days late anyway, or not a few hours late anyways, and leave. Uh, but that uh, you've seen some odd, you've heard of odd terrestrial aircraft that you and I know as terrestrial aircraft behaving in strange manners. Like you said, that this woman who saw this... UFO releasing circa no World War One vintage aircraft. Yep. It's a new phenomenon. And she actually got some real good pictures of one of them. Because one of the small planes flew right down towards her. And it looked just like And you could, you could see the two heads. You know, it had like the canopy, like the old planes had. 
and you could see the head because you couldn't see the features or anything. Do you believe that there? And this was filmed in daylight. Richard Hoagland, former NASA advisor, talks about the monuments on Mars. Talks about structures on the moon. What's your take on that? Do you believe that there's ancient monoliths or structures on the moon? Do, are the aliens using that as a staging ground? What's your, what's your what's your opinion on that? Richard Hoagland tends to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any opinion yet on Mars. Okay, on the face on Mars. I think life could have existed on Mars. But you do. I think you know. I've read books, uh, scientists, years and years ago, how when the planet Venus came in to our our area, it went too close to Mars and flipped it over and and wiped life out there. Do you think the asteroid belt was a planet that exploded? Could have been. Okay. I don't know. Do you think the astronauts encountered UFOs on their Apollo flights, their Geminis, their Mercuries, their space shuttle launches? We've seen the videos coming out. We've, we've heard the fourth and fifth hand stories. Well, I know Gordon Cooper filmed a UFO, a landed one, in, at in Edwards Air Force Space. Right, 1955. Because yeah, he was here last year. Oh, Gordon was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, when you have, he's coming out and speaking, saying that he had an encounter. Uh, Edgar Mitchell is another yeah. one that... I've done TV programs with him. It's a history of space exploration. <laughs> I know it was Apollo 13, which is an unlucky number for him. So you've got these astronauts saying that they've encountered UFOs um, and they've seen them, which means that uh, we are being monitored. Our launches are being monitored. Which also means the government is loosening their security right. well, on secret information. There is a possibility then that, that um, these UFOs are monitoring our space flights. You you agree with that? Oh, I would assume they would be. Well, a number of global or Mars surveyor craft we've lost. We just lost contact with another one. Do you think yeah. that that's just because we're building toys like Fisher-Price or do you think that they're being taken out by, as some people say, the great galactic ghoul or some sort of alien presence? Do you think that they're, we're getting too close to Mars in a certain area that we're not supposed to see and they're being taken out? Well, they seem to publicly announce why it failed. It was a mixture of something like uh, measurements and the metric system. That's four out of five probes we've lost. Um, I don't know. So it's hard to speculate at this I mean, time. Well, I don't know. I can't imagine UFOs attacking them. They aren't that important. If they can't, if these are our, do you think these aliens are are our future? Say twenty five thousand years. Do you believe that they come from another system? Obviously, but or do you think that perhaps they're coming back in time and visiting themselves no. uh, back? <laughs> I think in time we're going to be. This world is going to be one world, mm -hmm. and we won't bother with passports. We'll just travel anywhere we want to and it'll belong to the people. One race, the human race. Right. And then, when we progress to that point, then we could maybe can start thinking about going to other worlds. Well, we got to learn to get along with each other here first before we go anyplace else. That's right. Before we, we, we look to the heavens and decide what is right for, for uh, the cosmos, let's settle our differences here on our own little mud ball. Right. Right. Well, Betty Hill, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak in here, with me here. Fascinating interview, inviting me into your home. Betty Hill's new book, A Common Sense Approach to UFOs. It's, I oh, love yeah, sure. hold this. Them up to the, uh, hold them up to the camera if you'd like. These are some pictures. Well, yeah, I've got the camera running still if you'd like to hold them up. Oh, That's, here's a flying trash can. The flying trash can. Let's hold uh, it. Who was it? One of the astronauts caught Sarge. 
Betty, yeah, that would be great. A flying trash can. Yeah, hold yeah. it right towards you. Right okay. I call it a flying trash can, but one of the astronauts saw the same shape out in space, and he called it a flying beer can. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, what else do you have there? Oh, there's another. This is a disc. This little attachment here is a remote controlled object, which they toss out and it flies around by itself. I don't know, it could be a listening device. Something like that. And there's seven. And that's a very that's common pattern for them to fly in. I don't know if you can get these in mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. Great. They look okay. That's a very common. That's, there's Yeah, a very common pattern for flight. And then, oh, this one's huge. That's Is that the outline of a craft? Or? This is the front, the lighted front. And I would say this one is about a quarter of a mile wide. Wow. And then this one. This is a disc. Light along the edges. Mm -hmm. oh. Th these are very interesting. These are all my copies of my pictures. Mm -hmm. If you're too close to a UFO, this is what it does to your camera. You can't take a picture of it. Wow. You get all these lights. I mean, I assume this is different kinds of energies if we only knew how to analyze it. And these were outdoors taken? These were taken right by front steps here. And this the UFO was coming up the street. Yeah. See? Wow. Anyway, the craft came up the street. I'm standing on the front steps. And then when it went over the roof of the buildings across the street, and I filmed it. But this is a very poor, very poor picture of it. Anyway, it was a circle. A circular craft, round like a ball, and it had windows that were lighted. This is a, this is bright, bright, bright red. That's a the way the pictures were duplicated. Here's a remote-controlled object, and this one is bigger. It's a perfectly round ball, and it's bigger than the full moon. 